Welcome back to On the Wild, episode number 58. I'm Anuj Basket with me as always, Riley Keenan. We're back from our week hiatus, um, our first week off that we've had uh, since we started our podcast. We were just very busy with school and whatnot, but we're back with a very special guest by the name of Jack McCool, good friend of ours. How are you doing, Jack? Oh man, I couldn't be better. I'm so excited. We've been talking about this for a while, so it's an absolute pleasure to be on the pod with you guys today. Um, On the Wild, one would say. That's awesome. But yeah, this has been a, a long time in the making. We've been wanting, we were going to have you last week, but obviously we said we were too busy, but uh, we know you're a massive NBA fan. So we kind of wanted to delve into that a lot. Uh, we've talked about the NFL a lot recently. So we're excited to be back in the NBA. And uh, I think we're kind of going over a little bit of our award predictions. We're past the halfway point of this year and it's a tight race for a lot of these awards, but uh, which one would you guys want to get started with? I mean, I guess going like, I don't want to say at least importance, but let's end it off with MVP. I think that's appropriate. Right. And then just kind of build ourselves up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess maybe we could start with like coach of the year. Coach of the year. Oh, yeah, nice. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, is there, is there anyone you, is there anyone you think is running away with the award or, or is it kind of up in the air right now? Uh, I, personally, I tend to think it's uh, JB Bickerstaff for the, for the Cavs, honestly. Cause I mean, cool. before the year started, no one really thought Cleveland was going to be like a top, eight seed in the in the east let alone the top four for a lot of this season so i think he's probably definitely up there um i also think the grizzlies coach has to be mentioned um the grizzlies especially because they're leading the league in a ton of stats that are like super like uh defensive minded like rebounding steals blocks everything like that so you know the coach is really getting them fired up for the game getting them ready to run through a brick wall every time they're out there so i'd say those two are probably my two leading candidates yeah. Initially, initially I was I was leaning towards Bakerstaff, but I think it's Taylor Jenkins from from the Grizzlies solely because obviously they're the number two seed in the West. They would be the number one seed in the East, if, you know, if they were over there. But every single starter, at least, has developed to a, a higher level than they were ever before. Jean Morant is a superstar now. Jaron Jackson, you could put in the defensive player of the year category. He's been playing unbelievable ball and he stayed healthy all throughout the season. Dylan Brooks has been an incredible defender and has shown a lot of light on the offensive side of the ball. And then guys like Brandon Clark, who really did struggle last year, has been a lot more efficient. And I think that stems from the coaching of the Grizzlies. Yeah, shout out Desmond Bain too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we the one game we, we saw the Raptors play the Grizzlies, and it seemed like, oh, you know, Jaw's not playing, Jaren's not playing, so Raptors are going to take it. But Bain was lights out, and he has been all year. So I, I would lean towards Taylor Jenkins here. Desmond Bain's built like a linebacker. Yeah. He's so buff. But, yeah, I agree. Taylor Jenkins, I think he is the coach of the year so far. Uh, number two seed in the, in the West. I don't think anybody really expected that going in. Um Maybe you would expect that in year three, four of of Jaw's career as they could add more talent and he would develop more as a player. But he's, like you said, Riley, he's already a superstar. So being at that second seed ahead of Golden State, who have been struggling lately, but uh, with the amount of good teams that there are in the West, I think them being the number two seed is more impressive than what the Cavs have done, even though that is very, very uh, impressive as well. But I think Taylor Jenkins is solidified as the coach of the year so far. Yeah, yeah. Just and one more point in favor of the Cavs there, though, is that they went from, I believe they were around like the 25 mark in terms of overall defense uh, last season. And their D this year is like, I believe, second overall or in the top five. So yeah. that's one one thing that I, I kind of think could lean towards the Cavs. But I mean, you definitely can't go wrong with Taylor Jenkins and the record speaks for itself. So, yeah, I think I think another argument he has in his favor as well is Jean Morant was out for a while. 
And in those games, the Grizzlies were playing some of the best ball they've played all season. So they haven't needed him to be successful. Obviously, him being in the lineup is going to make them a much better team and a bigger threat. But without him, they have enough guys to, to step up. And the coaching has been great. Everyone knows the role on that team. There's a lot of teams in the NBA right now where you look at the roster and you go, they don't really know themselves yet. Some guys think they're at that level where they can really control the game, but they're not there yet. The Grizzlies know exactly who they are. And I think that'll make them a big threat when it comes to the playoffs. But yeah, Taylor Jenkins would be my pick. I mean, Grizzlies are absolutely must-see TV right now, too, yeah. uh, on a side note. They're just so fun to watch. The game Jaw had the other week where he scored 52, what was it, 52? Yeah. Against San Antonio, just play after play, the, the poster on, on Jacopoto, the yeah. – the, the t- I don't even know what to call it, like the touch shot. That – one of the greatest buzzer beaters I've ever seen. That was insane. Yeah, 100%. And what a great pass by Steven Adams, though. Yeah. I don't think he's getting enough credit for that. that He's was... the king of the, the, the full-court bombs for, like, buzzer yeah. beaters. Yeah, it's like the last year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah, he's insane. I, I love I love Adams on the Grizzlies team as well because he doesn't like you watch them play and he is the guy that you're like, okay, we need him to get the rebound. He's going to give it right to the point guard, but he's also like willing to like give it up and just be like, hey, like I'll completely sit myself out this possession and just make sure that you guys have a lot of space out there. Like I love the attitude he brings towards the game. He's the perfect center to have on that team. Just one final note on that. Like I found I was at first really skeptical of them moving Valanciunas especially with the way he was playing for them. Like he was having a huge year last year, but it it seems like Adams was definitely the right choice, especially from a defensive standpoint as well, as much as I love JV. Yeah. He's a better fit because JV is, he's great defensively, but he's more of an offensive player and how he approaches the game. And that's not what you need on the Grizzlies from your center. You have so much offensive output already that you just need someone that's going to be consistent on the defensive end and not, you know, take, I don't want to say Jonas takes bad shots. He doesn't, but he'll, he'll take, an extra shot every now and then where it's like, all right, you know, let's slow the pace down a bit and let's, let's build it up. Yeah, absolutely. But right. well, moving on to most improved player, I most guess. Improved player. Yeah. We can kind of stay on the same page of the Grizzlies here. Yeah. Cause a lot of people will tell you it's Jean Morant for this award and I understand it, but my case is I don't even think he should be up for it because when you're a guy that was the second overall pick in the NBA draft debatably could have gone number one. I thought he should have gone number one initially, he also wins rookie of the year his next year. He was expected to put be putting up these numbers. Obviously, you're not expecting him to put up 52, be second in the West. That's that's the cherry on top. But we knew he was going to be a great player in this league. So it's not necessarily a surprise that he's putting up these numbers now. It's just the way he progresses over the span of three years. I'm leaning more towards a Miles Bridges, who's propelled this game to the next level, putting up over 20 points per game in the last you know 30 games. He's been incredible. And then The guy I really look at for this award is Darius Garland, again, from the Cavs, because with Colin Sexton out, there was a question mark there of who's really going to be the facilitator and how are they going to lead this team? And he's been incredible. Last year, he was one of the worst players in the league in in terms of handling the ball. And he's been a great facilitator for them. And he's putting up 20 plus a game. So I'd go Darius Garland. Yeah, Anuj, what about you? I love the Garland pick. I think he fits the idea of being the most improved player more than John Morant does. I do think John is going to win the award. I'm pretty sure he's the betting favorite by mm-hmm. a favorable amount. Uh, but I think Garland would be the player I would give it to because of how how he's kind of been a disappointment up to this point in his career, being the fifth overall pick in the draft, and how he's kind of just flipped the switch this year and become a great facilitator, great scorer. He had a game the other day where he had, I think, 40 and I think 15 assists. Yeah, so the- he's kind of, yeah, he's kind Sorry, of taking a jump. Say- Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go. <laughs> this is why Zoom is so tough. 
Yeah, right. And um, uh, now with Jared Allen being out, he's going to have to take more of a load the rest of the season. So I think he his numbers are going to go up, and I think he deserves the award, but I think Jaw will win it. Um, and you can't really say he hasn't improved because he's he's a solidified superstar now. So, yeah, I mean, can't really argue with it, but does he really fall into the criteria? I don't know, but I think Jaw will win it. Well, I think you guys are really forgetting another Western Conference point guard from the San Antonio Spurs, man. DeJounte Murray. What a season that guy's having. And he's yeah. coming off an ACL tear. And I think like I think he just returned at the end of last season from an ACL tear. He's putting up like 29 rebounds, nine assists, and he's leading the league in steals, man. First time all-star. He, he's He's got to be my pick. And I think to be a devil's advocate, I think you could make the same argument for Garland that you could make for Jaw. That's just a little too early um, for most improved. I kind of think most improved is like they should be coming back from something like a horrible season or injury and, and a lot of adversity. And I think that's what Murray brings. And just he's, he has the most triple doubles in Spurs history, and they all have come this season pretty much. I think he's got 17 or something like that on the year. He's their best player by a mile. Um, I, I got to go. I got to rock with DeJounte Murray. And, but I'm a sucker for defense, so I'm a little bit biased there. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I did forget about DeJounte Murray. I, going into this, he was one of the ones on my mind. I was like, it's either going to be Garland or Murray. But, yeah, Murray absolutely has to be in the conversation. And I put him in Garland 1A, 1B. Obviously, if, if you take Moran out of the picture, I think he'll – like you said, Anush, I think he'll get the award. But when we talk about who I think should get it, you know. I look at Murray, but the way he's putting up triple doubles too, like you talk about other players in the league and the way they go about it. It's like, sometimes it really does look like the teammates are kind of backing off so they can grab the rebound or they're really forcing the pass. You can tell that it's not even on his mind that he's trying to get a triple double. He's so focused on getting the win, getting the ball in the basket and keeping it away from the other team. He's just giving 110% every single play. And that's what you want from your leader. He's the perfect guy to bring into an organization or not bring in there. He had him, but once DeMar goes out, he was the perfect replacement because he he'll put the team on his shoulders and say, don't worry guys, I got you. And they're going to be great for a long time. So yeah, you, you can't discount DeJounte Murray here. They're massive triple doubles too. Like they aren't just yeah. like squeaking by with like 11, 10, 10, like he's going like 30 points, 14 boards and 13 assists to go along with like four steals. So he, he's been unreal this year. And, and uh, Hey, battle of the point guards for most improved. So yeah, uh, you love to see that. Definitely. Um, so next sixth man of the year, uh, I, get into I that. think this one's sewn up to it's, be honest. Yeah, yeah. This one's the clear cut favorite. Tyler hero, Kevin Tyler Love. Hero. Oh, just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I think hero, but I think Kevin Love is second, honestly, he, he's been fantastic. And I mean, it doesn't really matter, but his per 36 stats are <laughs> just like insane, like 30, 12 and five blocks or something like that. So and I love how he's been able to accept a new role. Unlike other past superstars who have gone yeah. to a new team. I'm not going to say any names. But I think you know who I'm talking yeah, about. He doesn't need any more hate right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero has really gone back to his bubble form this season uh, for Miami. I'm not sure what exactly he averages. I think he averages – does he average 20? You close yeah, to 20, if not. Yeah. 20, I think almost six assists. I know – like he's got six 30-point games off the bench, like yeah. double more than anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. And he's – He's really been like he's been out a couple games this year, but Miami's been a team where they haven't been healthy really at all this yeah, season. There's yeah. always been someone out. So he's been that one guy that you can really look to to be like, okay, we know he's going to get us 20 tonight and we'll be in a good spot to move forward. Whereas like with Jimmy, he's been a little bit inconsistent and Bam's been, you know, you know what you're going to get from Bam, but sometimes you can't really take it to that next upper echelon. Tyler Hero is the one guy on this team that's like, we know what we're going to get from him every single night. And 
he's he's clear cut. And, and he's got team record on his side too. Miami first yeah. place in the East right now. And I mean, he fits that six man bill like perfectly to me. Like just like Jordan Clarkson did. Like come off the bench. You don't have to defend. You don't especially have to move the ball. Yeah. It's just like unlimited green light. <laughs> shoot it every time it touches your hands. And like that just perfectly fits like Hero's persona. Like I could see him being a six man of the year candidate like for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, and he's become very efficient as well. There's games where he'll go nine for 16. Um, obviously, he'll have that off game every now and then, but he's been very efficient this year, which has kind of been his problem up to this point, in my opinion. Um, and he's kind of also embraced the role of being a closer um, for years. I think Jimmy Butler is one of the best closers in the NBA, um, but he's kind of taken on that role as well, kind of splitting time with, with Jimmy, being that number one scorer down the stretch. So I think it's... It's unanimous, Tyler Hero. Yeah. For six men. Yeah. But moving on to an award that is pretty up in the air. I mean, you can say that there's a favorite right now, but it's very tough to tell. Rookie of the year, there's kind of three perennial faces that we're looking at. It's Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, and Cade Cunningham. You can really rank them in any order you want. It's really dependent on how you value them. But to me right now, I... I'd give it to Evan Mobley because, you know, you look at the standing of the Cavaliers and like you said, Jack earlier, like no one expected this from the Cavs at the beginning of the season, you know, to have the, to have the third pick in the draft and to get to this point now where you're at the top of the year, you know, top four in the East. And I can realistically see this team making a playoff push. Evan Mobley has been possibly the main reason for it because that two headed monster with him and Jared Allen, he's, he, I think he's almost been the re like, we always knew Jared Allen could be a great player but he didn't get as much opportunity. And Evan Mobley just kind of takes the pressure off of it and just allows him to be so incredibly confident. And I love to see it from Jared Allen because he's one of my favorite players to watch. But I'd go with Evan Mobley here. And I think it, it does come from a, getting a lot more opportunity than the other two. Obviously, Cade was hurt and Scotty is in a lineup of a very balanced Raptors team. But Mobley to me is the one I'd give it to right now. I, I genuinely think you could make a case that Mobley is a top 10 defender or at least top 15 defender in the NBA like already at like age 20 as a rookie. Um, it's tough to not say Mobley, but I, I honestly, we were just talking about before we went live here. I, I, right now I'm honestly leaning towards Cade. I, I, I got to watch the Raptors and play Detroit in person the other day. And he is just unbelievable. He doesn't make, he just never makes a bad decision. He's so smooth and really like you, you talked about it there in the beginning of your answer. It's, it's, it comes down to your criteria and what you value more. And, and for rookie of the year, I don't necessarily value team record maybe as much as I should. And so for that reason, right. I'm going to give it to Cade. Um, he also missed the first 10 games of the year, um, came in and, and was doing And he had a couple bad games and everyone was hitting the panic button after his first four career games. But he's leading, leading rookies in scoring. He's an unreal playmaker. He's got a couple triple doubles. I think it's probably Cade right now. I think he also will probably end up being the best rookie from this class um as good as good as the class is because it's been it's been an exceptional class so far shout out scotty as well can't yeah. can't not mention scotty yeah i agree with riley on on mobley um i think you have to throw records out the window when it comes to rookie of the year um and we've seen it in the past the uh the most notable when when lebron won it over Melo. i know uh the nuggets made it to the playoffs the Cavs didn't but you know, LeBron was more impactful for his team, um, you could argue. Uh, I think Mobley has been more impactful than any other rookie has this year. And I think with Jared Allen out now, he's going to be more impactful down the stretch. Um, like you said, with Cade, he missed the first 10 games this season. Um, 
and has and with Scotty Barnes, I think he's been a little bit inconsistent. Like he'll have games where he'll go for 26 and you know 10, and then he'll go for games where he'll have like two or four points. And I don't think that's really his fault. I think it's just a matter of how the Raptors play. Um, they're very unselfish, a lot like the Spurs back in the day, where it didn't really matter who scored. Uh, very team-centric basketball. Uh, but I think Mobley has been a great player on both ends of the floor. And for that reason, I think he should get it. Um, and then the record is just kind of like the cherry on top. So I think Mobley's got it at this point. Um, and he'll his numbers are going to go up with Allen out now. He's going to play a bigger role. How yeah. One final note on, on Scott real quick. Is how crazy is it that he was a backup point guard in college? Like, like, That's the miraculous part of it. The guy was like a six man. Yeah. Like insane uh, and a point guard too. And, and like, and then he's coming in, he's playing some, so getting some looks at small ball center and playing power forward. It's, it's crazy. His development's been out of this world, but that's yeah. just the last thing I wanted to add on that. No, His the, the light is crazy. Yeah. The light shines bright on, bright on Scotty. And you could see it in the last couple of weeks with Fred Van Vliet out. And it really kind of showcased if they didn't have such a predominant ball handler and facilitator in Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet, then Scotty would be getting a lot more looks. And you see, he was running point a lot of the time for Raptor, the Raptors in those games. And he's putting up career high numbers. He put up 28 twice, 26. And he was like dishing the ball out at, at crazy numbers for him, at least. Like the one thing you look at the three of these guys is they're all going to be superstars. I at least think so. There, there's so much poise and discipline in all three of them that they, they don't ever seem like they're panicking. They always they, they seem like they're the veteran of their teams at a lot of times where they're calming guys down and they get back to the bench and, you know, you're down six and you see guys like sweating with their heads down. Scotty's always got his head up and he's buzzed and he's ready to go. You can say the same thing about Cade and Evan just brings that intensity to his lineup. So it's, it's really exciting to see this draft class because, you know, in, in previous ones, like at least with the Zion class, you know, you, you got a guy that – He's unpredictable with RJ. He's finally starting to show that he can be a true star in this league, but there's a question mark there with these guys right now. It's, we know what we're going to get and it's going to be so exciting to see. And it just, for me, it comes down to opportunity. And I think Evan has got the most. Uh, sorry. I said one more point when I talk about Scotty, but also just shout out to Josh Giddy. I consider myself the leader yeah. of the Josh Giddy committee <laughs> club. So he's been unreal. You know, he's just so fun to watch like that backcourt with Shea and Dort on OKC, like watch out in the future, man. Giddy, yeah. Giddy's, he's such an unorthodox player. He's so fun to watch. I, I, I love him. Yeah. Do you ever see that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever see that video of, uh, I think Pinson said it. He was like, uh, Giddy makes like a pass to the corner across court. And he's like, there's only four people in the world that can make that pass. Giddy, Braun, Doncic, and me. It's like <laughs> so good, but yeah, get like get, thank you for for bringing up Giddy. I almost forgot about him there because he's definitely been overshadowed by the three of those guys. But in any other class, he's he's right there in the conversation. We need Jack here for every NBA episode, just so he can just tell us everything that we forget because we forget yeah. something every time. <laughs> but before we do move on, I wanted to ask you, Jack, because Riley and I were talking about this on our way to class last week. Should the Raptors unload? Uh, Van Vliet and Siakam and build around Scotty Barnes. No, I, I, I don't think so. Honestly, I think, cause I mean, right now you've got, you've got Fred and Pascal under contract for like three more years. And then you've also got Scotty on his rookie deal. So he's not making that much. Um, and I personally, I really right now don't understand the Siakam hate. I think he's been absolutely incredible this season. I thought he should have been an all-star. And absolutely. I think if he, if he continues to play well, I think he has a legitimate case for one of the all NBA teams. Um, he's so versatile, he's a great defender. And I mean, 
I mean, if you had to choose one of the three to build around going forward, like if you were starting your, a new franchise, I think you could definitely make the case for Scotty. But I think the position the Raptors are in right now, I think you ride with all three of them. And, and it also takes a lot of the pressure off Scotty as a young player. Like talking about Mobley and, and uh, Cade, they, they kind of came into, I would argue, worse situations than Scott. Like the Raptors are coming off of a championship a couple of years ago. They've got incredible culture, uh, amazing team atmosphere and uh, defensive prowess. So it kind of, I don't know. It takes the pressure off of him having to be the number one guy. And so I think that's part of the reason he's flourishing so much, but no, I, I would, I wouldn't unload them quite yet. I mean, a couple of years from now, if Scotty's looking like that guy and, and they're, they're still kind of the same or worse then maybe you got, you definitely have to make that choice, but. Yeah. The way uh, I was thinking about too, is like, I, I don't think they should move on from Siakam or, or Van Vliet. I think like if, if someone put a good enough package together for Siakam, then obviously I, you know, I, look at it possibly negotiate but if there's one guy that i'm thinking about moving and it's not a must but it's a possibility because i think you can get a good return it's og and because he's the one that's valued the least of i say the starters in terms of he's getting the least opportunity they're kind of just throwing him in the corner and they don't really make set plays for him when he's been probably the most improved one from the raptors this year he's putting up 18 points per game and we know how good he is on the defensive side of the ball but with a five-man rotation of guys that – or, sorry, you know, an eight- or nine-man rotation with a lot of guys that get – is going to put up numbers. You know, you see Malachi Flynn's playing great basketball now, too, even. I think OG's the one you got to move on from because he's got enough value that a team can look at him and say, oh, if we get him, he can maybe put up 23 for us and he'll put – maybe possibly a defensive player of the year. Whereas with the Raptors, I don't think he can really show that side of him because obviously the opportunity is not there. And that's what I keep coming back to with the Raptors. It's just that there's so much balance there. And I think you can get a good return for OG where, you know, they need a center. They, I think they do a precious, uh, you know, he's a good interior defender and he's a solid rebounder, but he's very antsy in the way he shoots. And he's kind of predictable in that sense. And with Birch, he's, he's on and off. He'll have games where you're like, wow, this guy's an absolute dog. And he's, he's possibly the reason why we're winning this game. But then there's others where it's like, are, did you even show up tonight? So a guy like OG, I see is a, a one you can make a move for someone that could really propel them to the next level. But at this point in time, the way they're playing, the way they're built, I don't think they have to make a move. I think they have a lot of time, and they're, they're so young that they can just sit back and, and see what they really have in front of them. No, I, I agree thoroughly with that. I think right now, like, you got to look at the season as a development season. I mean, mm-hmm. just one year ago, they were a lottery team. They had a horrible record, and they were playing in Tampa. Like, any any kind of playoff push or positives you get out of this year, you got to run with. Like, this is a team – think of how young these guys are, and think of – how incomplete like you say this roster is in terms of the center position and some of the backups like this team could easily contend for a title in the next couple of years if they continue to develop the way they are so I think any positive you get this season you have to run with it so I, I definitely agree with what you said true so move on to what is the next award defensive, defensive player, of player of the year yeah this is the one this where I actually have no idea I don't know and I'm really saying this right now I can't I don't think it could be Gobert because first of all he doesn't Gobert. deserve it I don't. I, I say it all the time on this podcast. Gobert is the most overrated defender I've ever seen in the NBA. Oh, I, I, Jack doesn't like. I'm, that. A, I'm a Gobert truther, I must say, but <laughs> he, he's not my pick this year. But no, I think Gobert is just absolutely incredible on the defensive end. But I don't know. Continue. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Not that he's a bad defender. It's just every time I watch him, I swear he's getting cooked by somebody. And he can't. And the way I look at the defensive player of the year is the way the game is right now, where it's perimeter centric. I think players like Giannis. Ben Simmons in the past should be the number one guys for that award because of how good they are in the perimeter. Um, 
And that's just kind of my thought process on it. I think somebody like Gobert, who's primarily um, in the paint, um, and when he is pushed the perimeter, he's not the best. I think he shouldn't be a three-time defensive player of the year um, in comparison to others who haven't won it or Giannis who's only won one. So that's kind of my thought process on it. But this year, like you said, I don't think Gobert will get it. I'm leaning towards Giannis, but, like, to be honest, I don't really know who should get it. Um, I know Jaron Jackson was also up there because he's a a great shot blocker, but I think Giannis should be the pick this year. Yeah, I, I yeah. it's for me like Draymond was the front runner, but once he got hurt, it took him right out of it because he's been out so right. long. So it's 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 incredibly up in the air. But I'd I'd have to give it to Giannis. I think you know Jack and I talked about this a while ago. Like Giannis is a guy that might not get Defensive Player of the Years over the course of his career just because of the stature he has, and like he's going to win so many awards and so many MVPs and championships that it's like okay, let's almost like a recency it's bias voter fatigue as well voter fatigue sorry yeah no not recency bias voter fatigue of like you know he's going to get so much let's give the defensive player of the year to someone else but this is the season where it's like you know you almost have to give it to him because i don't think he'll win mvp even though he's he's right there but defensive player of the year is the one i give it to because he's just he's so valued on that side of the ball and just like you said Anoush, it is a perimeter centered game and for his to be able to get out there and stop the three-point shot and he's you know he's incredibly lanky a, a wicked wingspan he just does so much for that team defensively that it propels their offense to the next level. So I'd, I'd say uh, Giannis would be my pick for the next player of the year. No, I th- I thoroughly agree with that pick. I, right now, Giannis is, is my pick as well. But I, I thought it was Draymond's award to lose, basically, at the halfway point of the season. Um, obviously, him getting hurt and missing so much time is taken away from that heavily. Um, so I would say Giannis. I also think a lot of times defensive player of the year can end up being a reward to a team as well. Um, that that's super yeah. good defensively. So I would honestly, since January 1st, the Boston Celtics have had the number one defense by an absolute mile. Yep. And uh, it's been since the return of my guy who I also somehow hate Marcus smart. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and like, you can't give it to Marcus smart because individually he isn't as good a defender as Giannis. Um, but I, I think a Celtic, maybe him, maybe even Robert Williams, should at least be in the top five, like in the conversation, just because of how good they are um, defensively as a team. And it kind of coincided with the return of Smart from his injury. So I think you could give a look there. But Giannis overall, it's it, it's him to me. I mean, he's him. He's just so unbelievably good on both ends of the floor. Um, as a help defender and as an on-ball defender, it's basically equivalent. There's no drop-off there. Um, you see all the, the highlights of him getting help blocks where he looks like he's 40 feet away and suddenly he's right yeah. there catching it. So yeah, it's, it's his award to lose at this point. But MVP, they <laughs> move on to it, I guess. Uh, so there's really just three contenders at this point. It's a three, three player race, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic and Giannis. Um, who do you guys have? I think my opinion will differ from yours, but who do you guys have right now? I have Nikola Jokic going back to back. Um, it's tough because I, I felt like a lot of a lot of the media and everyone didn't want to give it to him last year. Yet, in my opinion, he's been even better this year than he was last year. I mean, you look at the Nuggets; they have right now, or at least a couple of days ago, when I was looking at the uh, standings, they have one less win than Philadelphia. Um, they're almost equivalent with the Bucks, so there's team record. Um, and that's without Jamal Murray the entire season and Michael Porter Jr. the entire season as well. The clear second and third best players on that team, um, like 45 points per game total from them, probably at minimum this season. And uh, Jokic has just completely picked up where 
they didn't even get to leave off because they haven't played this season. So he he's averaging unreal numbers um, in points, rebounds, and assists. And then advanced stats, Jokic might be the greatest player of all time. Yeah. He's on pace to finish this season with the greatest PER ever above Wilt Chamberlain. Um, and I, I was looking through it the other day. So in terms of regular stats, advanced stats, advanced plus stats, and then like plus minus team record and everything um, between the three MVP candidates, Jokic leads in 30 stats uh, and beat in six and Giannis in four. So that's just, that's just insane from just a flat stats point of view. But then when, even when you watch him play, he controls everything, literally everything about the game at all times. And this season, he's been an unbelievable defender too, by the numbers, his, his defensive rating and everything like that has been uh, top five in the league the entire year. So any, na- any knock you could make on his defense isn't really there this season. So I, I find it hard to not give it to him. Um, personally but there obviously is a, a tremendous case for the other two as well yeah I'll I'll, I'll go back out with you because I, I I agree I think it is Jokic as well and for every point you just made I was going to go into the PER is you know up there with the greatest of all time and probably will be and Giannis I think is like just right under it so you yeah. can put him there as well but with Jokic like you said statistically he's all over the board and it's the numbers are high in every single category and the one thing I think I would have been leaning towards Embiid because before the Harden trade, you know, they didn't have Simmons. They didn't really have that number two guy. And obviously Maxi had shown that, you know, he's taken it to that next level. And Tobias Harris is still there. He's not playing the best ball of his life. So it, to me, it was like, at the moment, it was like, okay, Embiid is really leading this team. And he's, you know, two years ago when he said, I want to win MVP and defensive player of the year. And it was like, okay, dude, are you really at that point yet? He is, he is at that point. And you could even put him in the defensive player of the year category. We, we didn't really mention him at all. He's another one, but with the way Jokic has played, and like you said, without Jamal Murray, without MPJ, who both hopefully are going to be returning by playoff time, he's had to, he hasn't had to do it all himself, but he's put himself in a position to just be the offense in, in a way. Like he, he doesn't need to be involved in every single play, but he always is making something happen, whether he even touches the ball or not. And he's kind of like LeBron in that sense, where he's, he's anticipating the play before it even happens. There's not a lot of guys in the league, you know, there's, I say there's five or six guys in the league that kind of can hold on to the ball and kind of see the whole play unfold in their, before everybody's eyes. And he's one of those guys. And I, I don't necessarily think I could put Embiid in that category, but obviously that's not a detriment to him. He's still an incredible basketball player, but I'd have to go with Jokic as well here. I, you guys flip my opinion on who should, <laughs> on who should, on who should win it. But I think Embiid will win it because of the narrative the narrative has always been sort of the the key for a lot of MVP winners. And I think with the Simmons drama that's been going on since the end of last season, and I think the James Harden trade kind of helps his case in a, in a sense because his production hasn't fallen off since they traded for Harden. So I think he is, like you said about Embiid, or, or like you said about Jokic, Embiid is the offense in Philadelphia in different ways. The offense runs through him as a scorer, whereas Jokic is kind of a facilitator and he can score as well, obviously. But I think because of the narrative and how dominant Embiid's been this year, I think they'll give it to Embiid because the NBA doesn't really like back-to-back winners. Um, They'll only do it if they really, really have to. Like Giannis had a historic season when he went back-to-back. And Jokic is right now, but... I don't know what it is, but I think the NBA voters just don't like Jokic. Yeah. Like for a lot, like if, even if you think about it, last year he was the clear-cut MVP after the midway point, and people were still talking about Steph. They're still talking about all these other guys when it was clearly Jokic. 
So I feel like the same thing will happen this year. And I think Embiid will win it, even though, like you guys just outlined, I think Jokic should win it. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. Like when you look at the like the odds for MVP, it's Embiid number one is the clear favorite, and then Jokic yeah. is there second. But when you look at the statistical and like the the data analytic categories, they have Jokic number one. So it, I guess it really comes down to what you value. And like you said, the recency bias and, and voter fatigue is going to be there for Jokic because you could tell they, they almost didn't want to give it to him last year, even though he was so obviously he deserved it. But like the, the point you made about Harden is that it helps his case a bit being there because, you know, he, the, the, him being there and him still being able to put up the same numbers just shows you his greatness and that his, his game's not going to take a backseat to another superstar. But I do think it does hurt him a bit because – of the fact that yes, James Harden, you know, an incredible one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen in this game, especially isolation-wise, being there would would hurt his case. But because he's taken that step back with the Nets to be a facilitator, he's already used to that role of being the number two guy, and he's put himself into that role so quickly with this team, where he's you know he's taking it back. He doesn't need to put up twenty a game. He, he's happy with getting twenty assists per game, and that's exactly what Philadelphia is going to kind of want from him. And then Embiid's getting like twenty free throws a game. Yeah, that's true. He, he's getting to the line at an incredible level. Same with Embiid, so that's going to help his yeah. case as well. But I, I do think, in the grand scheme of things, I think Harden hurts him a little bit more than he helps him, just because obviously having that other superstar there, it takes the pressure off a little bit, but also having a superstar that is a facilitator, you know, this is what Embiid's needed for his entire career. We've said it or for so long, same with Harden. He needed that shot creator. And now that he has it, obviously the pressure's taken off, but he's going to get so much more opportunity to score that it really makes it tough to say that he deserves it full-fledged over Jokic when he has another superstar with him, whereas Jokic is playing without another star. But it, it is it is tough. Like, it, it really just comes down to what you value. Yeah, exactly. It's a complete toss-up this year. And I honestly think this is the most wide open it's been in a decade. And I honestly, I love it. Um, yeah. One question I have for you guys. Um, if you took out those three amazing international big men in Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid, who would be the MVP for you guys then? Because there's guys who are kind of on the fringe of that top three who don't necessarily have the numbers or just aren't necessarily as good this year. But there's are, there are guys like Jaw, like Damar, and like Luca, yeah. who are who are that playing at such a high level. So who, if you take those three out, who do you guys favor? For me, it's got to be Demar because I, I almost want to say Ja, but I don't think he's there yet to say that he is the most valuable player in the league. He's got so much help with him, and obviously Demar has a lot of help too. But from a clutch standpoint, there's been no one more clutch in the NBA than Demar Derozan this season, and he's averaging I think 37 plus in his last nine games. So when it counts the most, he's putting up points. And without Lonzo in the lineup, he's he hasn't been a facilitator, but he's been he's taken more of a backseat to his shooting and he's kind of let the game come to him a little bit more. And Demar is that guy that, you know, if, if we need to slow the pace of the game down, if I'm down by 10, Demar might be the guy I want on my team the most because he's just going to let the, you know, he's going to play at his own pace. He's not going to rush it. He's so disciplined and poised to the point where he's just going to kind of hold the ball, let everybody get in position. He's not going to rush it. He's not going to try to make a crazy fast break. He's going to make the right play at the right time. And it, and it is so tough because I would love to get an MVP to him this year, but obviously those three international big men are, are making it extremely tough. But if it had to be someone else, I'd, I'd go to Mark. What about you guys? I think I'm going to go with Jaw. And the same reason, like, when Derrick Rose won it in 2011, I think I, I see a lot of similarities with that. Obviously, they're not the number one seed like, like Chicago was in, in 2011. But I think Jaw's kind of caught the NBA by surprise and how fast he's become a superstar. And because of that, I think that would 
increase the amount of votes that he would get because of that surprise. Um, but like DeMar, DeMar DeRozan has been the best offseason acquisition, I, I believe. Um, when a lot of people who thought that he was the worst after free agency, which freezing cold takes. But uh, yeah. John, Mor- John Morant, I think, would be the MVP if Giannis, Jokic, and uh, Embiid were not in contention. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with DeMar DeRozan. He's been outstanding. Wow, I love this. Three different picks, too. I, I got Luca as my fourth place. Um, he's been tremendous. He had a rough start to the season with the whole, like, coming in out of shape and everything that seems to be a recurring theme, but Holy cow, man, he, since December, like he he's putting up around 30, like 10 rebounds, nine assists, like the stuff that he's made seem like usual is it, like insane numbers. Dallas is quietly really good. Like yeah. I think they're like a game and a half back of third or something like, or a uh, fourth in the, in the West. So if they yeah. get home court and he's putting up those numbers, that's insane. And they're not a deep team, man. Like, they moved Porzingis. Um, I think Dinwiddie helps them. Honestly, he's been a lot better in Dallas than he was ever in Washington. But like, I mean, Luca is that team, and he is playing unbelievable um, since getting snubbed from the All Star starters for the Ma- yeah. Maple Maple Mamba. <laughs> but, no, I, I got Luca as my fourth place. But the top three are solidified. Those are for sure the the top three or the the MVP and the two runners up. So uh, it's a great race this year. Yeah, I want to touch on. Uh, Sorry, just before, yeah, just want to touch on the, you mentioned the Dallas depth chart. It's, I find it kind of crazy the lineup they've been rolling out with the last couple of games too. I think, so they got, it's Brunson, uh, Dinwiddie, Luca, they got Bullock in there, and then Finney Smith as well. Finney Smith, I think, is the biggest guy at 6'7", and Luca's 6'7", yeah. too. So, like, it is pretty crazy the lineup they're rolling out with and how successful they've been with it, which just goes to show how valuable Luca is to his team. So it, he, he's another one right there. Like I, I could put him right with DeMar and Jaw too. Like the, I love the competitive nature that the NBA has right now, because like you said earlier, like the, or, the awards were pretty clear cut or, or you'd say there's like a one, two, like who's going to get it. But right now there's like seven guys you can realistically say, and it wouldn't, you know, one would bat an eye. It'd be like, you know what? That's fair enough. And that's what we love that. Yeah. But going back to the Luca point, I just want him to come into to season in, in shape. That's kind of been a thing for him the last couple of years. He's coming to, into the season kind of out of shape, and he's kind of played himself into shape, which leads to some games where he'll struggle. Um, if he comes into shape in, in the, into the season in shape, I think he'll finally have that MVP season that people have been predicting for a long time. But, um, yeah, so that's our award predictions. Um, and real quick, before we get to our trivia, uh, we wanted to touch on the one of the biggest trades in NFL history, probably that went down on Tuesday, Russell Wilson to the Broncos crazy trade. I, I was sent the trade by one of our friends, Riley, and I thought it was one of those fake accounts. Like, you have, you, have you ever seen those like bleacher reports with three R's? Yeah, I thought it was one of those, but it was, it was real. It was it was the real report. And uh Russell Wilson is a Bronco and it's crazy. Like, I can't even believe it. It's nuts. Like it, the, and you can't even say like, it's, it was a bad package. Like a lot of the times the trades are made where it's kind of like baffling. You're like, really? That's all they got. Or they got that much. Right. I, like, it was the perfect return. I feel like both teams got exactly what they needed from that deal. And Denver already has to be looked at. Maybe not a contender per se, but they're going to be a playoff team. And, you know, the, the wide receiver room they already have in, in, you know, 
the, the way Javante Williams played this past season shows that he's going to be a premier rusher in the league. And we already know how good they are defensively. And the possibility of Von Miller even coming back is even more exciting. So the AFC is going to be ridiculously deep. You can look at 13 of the 16 teams can be playoff teams. And I even look at the Jets as a team that can make a run, maybe not a run, but, you know, prove that, you know, their, their rebuild was successful. So it's scary. I'm terrified. Like that, as soon as I saw that, we were, we were, we were having a debate in the house about what would you rather eat a snake or a worm? And as soon as that, that came up, that was a completely out of our minds. It was like, Oh my God, Russell Wilson's on the Broncos. What the hell? As, as someone, it, sorry, and who's just someone as a, as a huge cat, a huge NFL casual, um, obviously this, this like rock my world, so to speak, uh, cause there's such big names, but like, what's the comparison like from you guys as like, diehard NFL fans like what's the NBA comparison to this because I I don't look at it sorry sorry go ahead I was just gonna say obviously it's it's a big deal to someone who's a casual but the, the magnitude of it that doesn't necessarily like register you know yeah I'll if, compare- if I had to put a name I'd say Chris Paul maybe like like the like the thunder trading for Chris Paul was almost how I view this and just like the, the amount of return, uh, not maybe not thunder I would Paul, compare it to the I'd Suns say, trading for yes yeah, sorry that's what I meant the Suns trading for the Thunder. The Thunder gets an incredible return that's going to help them for the future, and that's going to be great, and they're going to be able to rebuild within a few years. But now you get a veteran guy who's had success, who's made finals appearances, and is immediately well, going to kick – well, a finals appearance. But, yeah, immediately it changes the, the franchise. So, like, you know, with the Suns, we knew they were going to be a good team, but as soon as they got Chris Paul, it was like, oh, wow, the, the validity of the, the Suns is they could be a top four team in the West, and they end up going to an NBA Finals, and now they're the number one team, even without Chris Paul. So that just shows how much impact he's already had, where I can see the same thing with Russell Wilson. He's probably debatably the greatest leader in the NFL. You know, he's Walter Payton Man of the Year, like, two times already. So he's a great guy to bring into your franchise that, yeah, I'd say Chris Paul. That's <laughs> like, yeah. the one yeah, name the the Broncos are were a quarterback away from being a scary team, mm-hmm. and now they have a top seven or eight quarterback in the NFL yeah. as as their quarterback. And I think their receiver room, Cortland Sutton specifically, um, if you were compared to NBA terms, I think would be Devin Booker in this in this case. I think he's gonna really um, take advantage of having Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is probably the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, and mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton. If you watch him on deep balls, it seems like 75% of the time he, he comes down with it. He just hasn't been given a, some uh, enough opportunities. And even when he does get a lot of deep shots, they're not the greatest throws coming from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Now he's going to have those perfect passes from uh, Russell Wilson. He's going to take advantage of it. I think he's going to solidify himself as a number one receiver next year. And they have J- Jerry Judy, who's one of the best route runners in the NFL. So. Um, so I just, should be bandwagoning the Broncos then is what pretty you guys much, are saying. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that everyone's forgetting about is how exciting the quarterback uh, matchup or not matchup quarterback. Holy, what is the word? Matchups. The, not matchups. The quarterback hierarchy. Like, no, like uh, two guys are on the same team. They're fighting for a position. <laughs> what is oh, that competition? competition oh yeah quarterback competition holy crap but yeah geno smith versus drew lock that's going to be exciting who do you think comes is out it of that though? one <laughs> i think <laughs> no, they're going to no, draft i think I, I think they're going to draft a quarterback yeah it, it would be, be the smart move, especially with this year having such a high pick and the quarterbacks being valued pretty low you can get someone in the second round it'd be smart to go out and get one like i mean um, if i'm if i'm no. the seahawks i'd probably go out and get malik i mean will this yeah 
Uh, quarterbacks are being overvalued this year. I think none of them are first-round talents, but they're going to go in the first round because they're quarterbacks, yeah. and teams need quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think Malik Willis is probably the best one out of all of them. I'm not really a fan of any of them in the first round, but they'll go in the first round. And I think Malik Willis is probably the best one for Seattle because they have Drew Locke, Geno Smith, who can kind of play for a year, let Malik Willis sit because he's not ready to play. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be the best direction for them going forward. But they're in a full-out rebuild. It's it's obvious they got rid of Bobby Wagner as well. So the Legion of Boom yeah. days are, are over. Yeah, and the other the other big news we heard obviously was Aaron Rodgers signing four years, two hundred million, getting fifty million a year. I think it was one hundred and thirty-six million guaranteed, maybe one hundred and seventy-two, something like that. But I want to ask you, Jack. Yeah, one hundred fifty-three. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, as, as I guess as a self-proclaimed casual football fan. What do you look at as obviously Aaron Rodgers, 38 years old, obviously age doesn't matter as much. So for quarterbacks, the NFL, what do you think his expectations need to be going into these four years in green Bay after only winning a super bowl in his career thus far? I mean, again, in 2010, I'm going to preface this by saying, I don't know really anything about football other than the, <laughs> the complete service level, but if he's 38 to me, obviously quarterbacks can play longer, but 38 is old to be getting that much money. I feel like is that- it is. He's coming off back-to-back MVPs, though. Right. Okay, yeah, so, I guess that's true. I mean, he should have – I mean, the expectation should obviously be title or bust, then I feel like at that point. Uh, two yeah, MVP, at least for the two first Yeah, years, like two MVPs, sure. and then don't a lot of people say that um, Adams is one of, if not the best wide receiver in, in the NFL? Or so. I yeah, mean, I'd say, yeah, heading into this year, he was the best, but I after Cooper Cup's performance, it's tough right. to, to really – but it's 1A, one 1B. One one yeah, like, like I mean – I don't know, obviously, the depth of the rest of their lineup at all, but like if they even have like an average de- defense, it seems like they should they should definitely contend for the title. And they've been close the last few years, no? Like they've been they've been kind of upset in the playoffs, right? So yeah, I don't know. They should not have lost to the Niners this this season. That was they gave them every chance to get back in that game, and the Niners took it away from them. They just capitalized, but the yeah, the Packers, it's just like every year it's like, yeah, we, you know, this team's going to go far. And it seems like they're, they're a perennial contender and they, they come to the top of the division, but it, it just seems like they can't get it done in the playoffs. And you look at – like two years ago, you look at Guy Lafer and you say, oh, not going for it. That was the reason for them losing. But also to be in that position and not be up already just goes to show that they aren't playing as good as they possibly can or have and with at least. And with how bad the NFC is now with Russell Wilson going to the AFC, Tom Brady retired – to me, right now, as it sits right now, it's a two-team conference. It's them and the Rams. And yeah. the Rams have some decisions to, some decisions to make. And we still don't know if Aaron Donald's coming back, um, especially considering that comment that he had on, on Von Miller's post saying, like, run it back so I can. Yeah, so, seems very dependent on. Yeah, so the, the Rams have some decisions to make. They don't have the most money in the world. The Packers don't either. They're still over the cap. Um, I don't know how they're, you know giving him $50 million a year. But with how bad the NFC is right now, I think the Packers have to win in the next two years to justify this contract. Yeah. Yeah, that's very fair. But I think that's, I think it's time to do our guest trivia. (laughs) Um, So how this works, Jack, I'm sure you, you know, at this point, I'm a regular regular watcher, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to ask you five questions. Um, and the third one will be the hardest. And I'm going to see how many you get right. Uh, the high score is still four, uh, Alyssa and, and Pac. So 
Um, we'll see if you can beat those those two. Um, Riley, yeah. yeah, Riley started yeah. off with the, the first I'll kick question. it off here. I'm going to start it off with your favorite player of all time in the form of Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry leads the Raptors all time in four statistical categories. Can you name three of the four? I hope so. Um, I can. I'm allowed to get some wrong on, on the on route to the to the, my I'll, final. I'll answer. give you. I'll give you one that you can. You know, you can redeem yourself off of. Okay. Uh, assists. Yep. Steals. Yep. Games played. I don't think so. Oh. That was not at least the four that I picked. Okay. I, do, I don't think he is games. Actually, okay. he seems like he would be though, right? I, I think he is, but that, that's a, that could be wrong. But um, yeah. minutes? I won't. Minutes? Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'll, that won't count, but think more towards like statistical. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. Well, three than, pointers, three pointers for sure. Boom. You already got it. That's three of four? Yeah. Okay. So oh, one more. Mm. You got the point and he's still going. Is it? Is it points? It's not points, is it? No, triple doubles. Ah, oh, triple yeah. doubles. Damn. Either I guess or, I'm a fake point. fan. Okay. Oh, I, okay. Perfect. Right. You got three of the four. That's all you needed to do. Let's go. Boom. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> uh, second question. You're also a huge LeBron fan. We talk about him all the time. Uh, <laughs> how old was LeBron when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated? Was he 16, 17, or 18? I believe he's 16. Choice. Incorrect. He was seven. Oh, damn. Oh. I'm firing too quick. I, I got to think about it more. And actually, I'm going to take, take a second. That's why I'm going to blame junior, it on at least. His junior year of high school. Or after that's, his junior year. That's wild. Yeah. Look, think about the pressure at that point. Holy crap. And he lived up to it somehow. Did he ever? <laughs> he exceeded that by far. But yeah, speaking of thinking on the question, you're going to need to think on this one. Oh, yeah. Hardest bit. one. Yeah. You know, you're a big Kendrick Lamar fan. You've. Made it clear that you think he's the GOAT, and I, I don't necessarily disagree, but we can talk about it on the time. I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. But in Kendrick Lamar's, in my personal favorite Kendrick Lamar song, The Art of Peer Pressure, what turns did Kendrick and the crew make to dish or to, to get out of the way of the police? Oh, my God. <laughs> a left. I'll say this. There's four turns. A four left, turns. a right, a right, and then a left. That sounds right. It is a right, a left, a right, and a left. Oh, followed by the was... police going right, left, right, right. Oh, I didn't think it would alternate. That was a, that's what I was thinking with before I said oh. I thought that thought they were gonna double up. Damn, yeah. fake fan. That is the fun. I listen, that was probably one of the hardest ones we've asked on this show. So I'm really sorry. That was hey, no need to Bro, apologize. That's not quite at what year was Shakespeare born, but that's <laughs> that's, that's right there. <laughs> oh what a song. What a song and what an artist, though. Yeah, for real. All right. All right. Fourth question. I can't even get over that question. That was such a great <laughs> question. Oh my God. Uh, name. Okay. Name the top five fighters in title defenses in the UFC. John Jones, and number one. There's, tie, there's, there's, there's a tie for number one and there's also a tie for number five. Okay. But yeah. John um, Jones is on there. It's just title. Is it just title victories or is it defenses? Defenses. defenses. Okay, de- okay. Oh, okay. Defenses. Demetrius Johnson. Uh, Anderson Silva, Three. George St. Pierre. Yep. Um, John Jones. You got, you got Jones already. Oh, okay. So, and then, so one more. Um, There's technically two more. Two more. Either or, either or you got. Two more. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of who I've already said. Uh, 
You've said Demetrius Johnson, John Jones, Silva, and St. Pierre. Aldo. Aldo, yeah. Yes. Oh, I thought I was going to get that wrong. It was seven. Aldo was seven, right? Uh, Six. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And there's Ronda Rousey as well. Right. Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. Wow. Oh, let's the go. WWE Probably. superstar now. Yeah. <laughs> Beast. Oh. Fired up. Got that one. Whew. Getting to our final question. You are... I believe two for four. Two for four. Two for four. Two for yeah. four. Hey. Best players <laughs> in the world only make half their shots. Hey, if in the MLB you'd be hitting six, or you're hitting five hundred right now, so you're an all star. Derek you're, Lewis, a Hall of Famer. you're the greatest yeah. player of all time. Yeah, that's true. You're better than Barry Bonds without the steroids. <laughs> Derek Lewis, we know, leads UFC fighters with the most KOs all time at thirteen. Who has the most KOs in title bouts? You don't have Anderson to give me the number. Well, there you go. Can you give me the number? I believe it's oh well. Title fight knockouts is different than finishes, but if it's knockouts, I want to say it's six, seven. But oh, that's damn. miraculous that you were able to. Yeah, well, I didn't think you were able to down to. Anderson's the. I didn't goat, even finish man. the question. This guy said so long. <laughs> best ever, longest title reign, longest win streak is the best ever. No, not actually, but he's oh, one of right. one of for sure. Is best he the middle best weight. kicker? Best. Is he the best kickboxer ever though? Um, he might be. I don't. I'll let this, he I'm was not a like, UFC guy. He was like know. super well rounded, so it's tough to say like just kickboxer. Like if you're talking strictly like strictly kickboxing, it's probably it's hard to say it's not Israel Adesanya, really. But I mean, That's, yeah, true. Because Anderson Anderson had a black belt in, in BJJ and had intense submission game as well, so he was mm-hmm. super well rounded. But he was one of the best kickboxers for sure. Let me ask you this: before uh, you know, you're obviously probably the biggest UFC fan I know. Who would you think is like the next up? You could say in terms of like in terms of like accolades or in terms of like just Conor McGregor style like entertainment factor. I think I think the easy like the the easy way out for this one right now um, is to say Islam Mahachev, which is like Habib Nurmagomedov's like protege homeboy, mm-hmm. like same like their cousins and stuff. And Islam. It's, he's, I believe he's 23 and one all time. One loss was a flash knockout in his UFC debut, which was like nine years ago. He's rattled off 10 straight since four straight finishes. Um, he should fight for the title this year, I think. Um, and I think that there isn't a lightweight alive who can beat him. I think he will hold the title for a very long time. So I think, wow. I think it's easy to say he's got next. So, and then also if, if you, if you want another one, I'm going to say uh, Yuri Prohaska in the light heavyweight division, he's fighting for the title in May or in June. I think he's going to knock Glover uh the hell out and i think he's going to defend it a bunch of times so i think it's going to be tremendous theater awesome i have to ask you i know there's a, a young irish guy right now i've seen him fight like twice and he won both i think by knockout what's his name ian gary ian gary i've been looking for this guy everywhere he's awesome he's, he's got a, he's, he's got a fight coming up i think he's fighting on the april pay-per-view which which is the 9th of april so and that's a stacked card so is it his first pay-per-view Appearance. like obviously that'll be his second pay-per-view appearance because he fought on Usman Covington two in November that was his debut right. knocked out yeah. Jordan Williams but um this will be his second fight in the UFC and, and if he wins man put strap a rocket ship to his back because he might go straight <laughs> to the top hell yeah love it that's awesome oh, yeah the amount of knowledge you just spewed about the oh. UFC oh, blows so... my mind yeah it's embarrassing that's over the span of like a year and a half too yeah, first first two. event I ever saw is 249, which is May of 2020, when it was that the was, only sport that was going on during the pandemic. Didn't didn't we watch uh, McGregor? Poirier? Oh yeah, McGregor Cowboy. Oh, 
McGregor, McGregor Cowboy. Cowboy. But that was the first fight I ever watched. But the first like event I ever watched was uh, Gaethje Ferguson in May oh, okay. of 2020. So right, right. it's been a, it's been a short lived fandom, but it's been an incredibly incredibly intense fandom that I don't think is going to go away. So, and yeah. as an intense casual, will Francis and John Jones ever happen? You think? Oh. God, I hope so. Oh my goodness. So. Oh my goodness. I personally, I don't think it's going to ever happen to be, to be a, a realist just because ngani has got the crazy contract situation going on right now with the UFC. I hope obviously they bring him back. He's one of my favorites. Incredible to watch. Um, but Jones, I honestly find it hard to believe that guy's ever going to fight again. What about yeah. Jones Brock Lesnar? Because I have heard some reports <laughs> that Lesnar like 2017. Yeah. No, he I shut did. it down. I saw it. I actually saw that. He, did? he, oh, he yeah. said he shut it down. He, he said it's a young man's retired. sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's fair. Jones, Jones. He's like, already the guy's making 500 k an appearance at WWE, so he's fine. Had they ever fought though, <laughs> yeah. Jones any way he wanted, and even if he didn't want to do it that way, he would have found another way to do it too. So 100. <laughs> that's true. But before but, we wrap up, too, I, I do want to ask last question: What is the match or the fight of the year at this point? Oh, is like Gaethje Chandler. Well, that was la- that was last year. Um, was it? So yeah, it was in November. Or I guess yeah. Sweet. I like, guess that's in this, like, like this semester of school. I'd say. like since the first <laughs> from um, September to now. That's a tough one. I'm trying to think of the pay per views. Like my okay, actually, my favorite one, like the fight of the year for me, to, isn't like fight of the year in terms of action but it was in Ganu's title defense against Cyril Gan because there was mm. just I'm a huge Francis fan and there was just so much at stake like with the with the for all first of all just being a fight in your underpants in front of a, a million people <laughs> around the world like that's enough stakes as it is, as it is. But then he's also going against a former training partner a guy who everyone thought would beat him he suffered a torn MCL and ACL uh leading up to the fight he fought with a torn MCL um and, and I just, with the stakes, if he loses, he's a free agent immediately. Um, he had to win that to make, to keep the contract going to the end of this year. So that was my fight of the year, just in terms of stakes and the way he won. No one, literally no one on earth thought that was going to be the way he won with the wrestling. So that was my fight of the year so far, I would say. Fair enough. Amazing. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much, Jack, for coming on. I'm sure you'll be on some sometime very soon. Uh, but we really, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to come on and join us today. Oh, thank you, guys. It was an absolute pleasure. I had a lot of fun, and I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. And is there anything uh, you want to plug? For, uh, um, I know. Not, not really. I mean, I've been doing some writing for the eye-opener. So, I mean, if you want to want to keep an eye out for that, um, Rams women's basketball straight to the top, going to win nationals this year. So, uh, keep it out. Undefeated, undisputed, 14-0, heading into the first round of the playoffs. So, keep an eye out for them. Uh, that's ba- That's basically it. Yeah, we'll link some stuff down below for sure. But uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Comment down below, and we will see you all next week. Take it easy. Stay well. Peace.